0: Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the ways that we have experienced your presence in very real ways this morning. We thank you that we've experienced heaven and earth overlapping this morning. We thank you that we now are experience, experiencing a moment where Our place and your place are the same place. And so we we pray now that in this time together around your word, in our contemplation of what you have to say to us, in the meditations of our hearts, that your kingdom would come and that your will would be done in us and among us. Amen. So we are moving into this next section on the Sermon on the Mount. I would encourage you to open your Bibles to Matthew uh, chapter 6. And for the last weeks, we have walked through this section where Jesus is giving his his own interpretation of the Old Testament law. uh, Six different times, Jesus begins with this phrase, You have heard it said, but I say to you. And in those uh, six teachings, Jesus talks about different behaviors that people of the kingdom will avoid. Murder, adultery, divorce, oaths, revenge, hating your enemies. And in each of each case, Jesus takes those behaviors and he moves a little bit deeper. He points uh, deeper than the outward actions and reveals the inner motivations of the human heart. That, that cause us to behave or to, to have those negative, those evil outward behaviors. And so in the next chapter, uh, Jesus shifts his attention a little bit. I want to read Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. In Matthew chapter 5, he's talking about six uh, evil behaviors, evil actions uh, that, uh, that have their, their root cause in, in our hearts. And then in Matthew chapter 6, verse 1, he says this. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. This verse, chapter 6, verse 1, is Jesus' thesis statement for the next 18 verses in Matthew chapter 6. And do you see the shift that Jesus makes in this verse? Jesus is now going to shine a bright light on our righteous actions. Not our evil actions, but our righteous actions. The good things we do. Giving away our money to the poor. Prayer and fasting. Jesus again scratches underneath the surface of that outward behavior. Even that good outward behavior. And he holds up a mirror to our heart. And he asks the question. When you do your good works... What is your motivation? And he asked this question of us, remember when you gave your offering last week. Remember when you gave money to the Inasmuch ministry last week. Remember when you volunteered your time at church or in the 410 ministry or teaching the kids. Remember, when you did that good thing, What was the motivation of your heart? What was going on in your heart at that moment? And Jesus says, beware, or warning, because there is danger for us in our spiritual life when we take good behaviors and we use them to receive recognition so that someone will notice and we use them uh, to make ourselves feel significant, to gain approval or to avoid somebody's disapproval, Jesus says, beware. Warning. Because it's easy to do good things for wrong reasons. And doing this, it's so very, very subtle. Because on the outside, it looks exactly the same to everyone else and there really isn't anyone except for you and God that know the difference. And I want to suggest to you that I think that this warning Matthew chapter 6 verse 1 may be particularly important for a church like us here at Broadway. Because we are an active church. We encourage people to respond to God, to to say yes to God, to do good work for him. And there are many, many, many of you who are out doing frontline ministry, working with people, sacrificing time and energy and blood and sweat and tears for the work that is really, really hard. And Jesus says to us, a church like Broadway, a church where many people seek to do great things for God, he's asking us today... As you seek to do great things for God, are you doing those things with me? Jesus says, beware, warning, even the righteous things that you do, the good things that you do can be twisted into something that shrinks your soul rather than brings you closer to God. The danger is that we would make our good work into something that makes us feel significant, that makes us feel like we are somebody. We do this good work, and it's something we can point to and say, look, there's something that I did, something that makes me feel worthy or makes me feel appreciated. And we begin to do them for that satisfaction that we feel, for that recognition that we get from other people, rather than as something that brings us into a relationship with our Heavenly Father. And what we're going to learn in these next few teachings in the Sermon on the Mount, especially in the rest of chapter 6, Jesus is focusing on this relationship with our Heavenly Father that we are being invited into. As citizens of the kingdom of heaven, we are being invited to a relationship with our heavenly Father. And Jesus is teaching us in this chapter that there are two things that hinders this relationship. There's probably many more, but he talks about two in this chapter. The first is our desire to win the approval of other people. And the second thing that hinders this relationship with our heavenly Father is our dependency on money or on earthly things to make us secure. Uh, I've mentioned many times uh, Dallas Willard, uh, who is just a wonderful teacher on the Sermon on the Mount. And about this section in the Sermon on the Mount, he says this, Jesus alerts us to the two main things that will block or hinder a life constantly interactive with God and healthy growth in the kingdom. These are the desire to have the approval of others, especially by being devout, and the desire to secure ourselves by means of money. Our relationship with our Heavenly Father is a relationship of dependency, where we come to learn that we can trust Him. In our relationship with Him, we learn that we're not dependent on what other people think of us in order for us to be okay with ourselves. In this relationship, we learn that we can't trust something like money in order to truly make us secure. And today and next week, we're going to talk about the first of these two dangers, the danger of seeking approval from others. And uh, then a couple weeks from now, we'll begin talking about seeking our security or our safety in money or other things of, of this, in this world. Good works are good. In fact, Jesus says that if you are his follower, you will do good work. He says when you give to the needy, when you pray, when you fast, he assumes that those who follow him will do those kinds of good things. But he's warning us, beware when you do them that you do not do them for approval or for the recognition of other people. Otherwise, Jesus says you will lose your reward from your father in heaven. Now there's a part of me when I read um, when I read this section in the Sermon on the Mount where I'm just kind of irritated by Jesus here. Like, if we're actually giving to the poor, if we're actually praying, if we're af- actually fasting—I mean, isn't that enough? Isn't that enough for you, Jesus? I mean, what what's this now making us feel guilty about even the good things that we do? But I want to suggest to you that Jesus is, is too He's too wise. He, he knows the human heart better than anyone who has ever lived. He knows your heart better than you know it, and He is much, much too kind to not warn us about these things. Because He knows the human heart and He knows what a prison it can be to live our lives for the approval of other people. And so he is too kind to not warn us about that. This teaching isn't for him. It's not for God to kind of, so he can teach us how to uh, win his approval. This teaching is, is for us. It's a kind teaching for us. Jesus knows that living our lives for the approval of others or to somehow avoid the disapproval of others is the way of frustration and disappointment and anger and bitterness. Because we're always going to disappoint people. We will never really measure up to other people's expectations of us. And we'll never quite ever really get the recognition that we know that we deserve. Right? (laughs) When we live our lives seeking the approval of others or avoiding the disapproval of others, Jesus says that we become actors. We become actors. Verse 2, when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. That word hypocrites is the Greek word for actor. The person who is on a stage. He says, when we do that in our lives, we become actors. Someone who is playing a role, who is not truly being ourself. When we live our lives, when we behave in ways only to seek the approval of others or to avoid their disapproval or to get recognition, we become hypocrites. We become actors in our own life. And I just, this morning, I want to spend some time being really honest and vulnerable here with you. Um, I am an expert at this. It's my job to do spiritually kind of things. The warning in this passage is, it's like an occupational hazard for a pastor. Every week I stand up here, 30 to 40 minutes... All of your eyes are on me and preach while you listen. Or not listen, but you're out there. (laughs) I pray out loud in front of people all of the time. I visit people at the hospital. I study the Bible. I've preached over, over 700 sermons in my life. And I was thinking about this week that there has not been a single one not a single one that I've preached where there hasn't been something in me that longs for the approval of other people. Even as I'm writing this sermon, <laughs> I'm not seeking the approval of other people. I'm like, yeah, that's good. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff Ferrier, the other Bible nerd, he's really going to like this part. Sometimes, uh, sometimes Melissa Jagel, she'll send me this really nice note on Monday morning. I bet if I say this, I'll get one of those notes. Am I alone? It just happens to be my occupational hazard that this is a huge problem. And, and I know the this, this sting of this teaching really, really well. And, and I've been learning in my own life over the last year that it's not only my calling as a pastor, but there's actually something uh, unique about my own personality that really has to fight this temptation all of the time. I'm sure that every pastor uh, struggles with it. anybody who's in a kind of a public position, but there's something even unique about my own personality that has to wrestle with this. And one of the many, many things that God has revealed to me in the last few months, and certainly in my time away in last fall, Is how many of my actions, how many of the things that I do are motivated by a desire to be liked, desire to receive your approval, to win your recognition. It was really, really pretty humiliating, actually. And so before we go on any further, I want to be very clear that you all ain't got nothing on me (laughs) when it comes to this. I am the chief of sinners in this area. I know in my own life what a prison it is to live for the approval of other people. And what I'm learning and what I want you to learn today is that when Jesus tells us that we should not do our good works to win the approval of others, He's not doing this in order to just place one more burden on us. He's not doing this to give us one more way to feel guilty that we don't measure up. Oh, now, Jesus, you're making me feel guilty for even the good things that I'm doing. It's not what Jesus is up to here. Jesus is offering us a better way. He knows that if we are living in order to receive the approval and praise of others, then we will never, ever truly be free. And he is too good, and he is too kind, and he is too gracious to not warn us about this. And he is saying to us today, he is saying to you today, he is certainly saying to me today, I'm offering you a better way. A way for you to live your whole life before an audience of one. And that audience of one is one who has already accepted you, who has already called you his child and invites you to call him Abba, Father. And he sees your good work and he takes delight in them. And when we learn to live in this way before an audience of one, then we will truly be who it is that he wants us to be, and not who we think everyone else thinks that we ought to be. And that's really the, the crazy thing about living our lives according to the approval of others, is that it's always only what we think other people think that we should be. You know, We don't even know if it's true or not. Ah, man. It is exhausting. That is a really good word doing our good work so that others will see us to win their approval, it's exactly the righteousness of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. That is the righteousness of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. So it's no wonder that Jesus invites us to receive a righteousness that exceeds the righteousness of the Pharisees and teachers of the law. So Jesus here is offering us a better way. So what is is the way? In the next three sections, Jesus gives three illustrations for us. Three different acts of righteousness, and gives us practical instructions for how to go about doing them in such a way that keeps our focus in the right direction before this audience of one. Jesus, once again, here in the Sermon on the Mount, gives us tangible practices for learning how to follow him. Tangible things that you can do, that if you put them into practice, that it will be part of your training to become more like Christ. Matthew chapter 6, verses 2 through 4. When you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. I tell you the truth. They have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, Do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. When you give your money to the poor, your offering at the church, check your motivation and make sure that you are not doing it so that other people will see you. Jesus says, uh, uh, don't sound a trumpet when you give like the Pharisees do. Apparently that was happening. It's really weird, but apparently these rich, wealthy Pharisees and teachers of the law, they'd have these trumpets sound while they give money. That sounds ridiculous to us, but we certainly have our own ways of doing that too, don't we? Lots of ways that we subtly or sometimes not so subtly make sure that people know that we're doing those good things. And in the day of social media... We have all kinds of ways and avenues to sound our trumpets when we want to look good. Social media is a great gift. It's a great way to connect with family and with friends and with people that you knew in the past. But it it really does, if we're not careful, it just fuels this danger of doing our righteous actions before other people. So if you use social media to uh, create some sort of image of yourself, it will destroy your soul. It really will. If your motivation for, for posting this or that picture is to get people to think well of you or to think you're something great or that you've got a perfect life, that is just going to shrivel your soul. When it comes to giving, the first thing that Jesus says is to search your heart. Be sure that you are not giving it so that people will see you. Now notice here, Jesus is not. the main goal is not to do it in secret. It's not the main goal, because otherwise, like, I couldn't be up here. This isn't a secret. I I think I'm doing a good work for God. And it's not in secret. You guys all know what's happening, right? Like, yeah. you're seeing it, okay? Uh, we, we would never be able to pray out loud. It's, so it's not this, doing it in secret. Making sure that we do it in secret is not the goal. The goal is making sure that we're not doing it so that people will see that's not our motivation. Jesus is looking at the motivation of our hearts and making sure that, uh, that our motivation is not for the purpose that other people will see and think well of us. And Jesus here says a couple of really interesting things. He always, that was a really weird thing to say. He always says interesting things. But he says, I think, some really interesting things here. In verse 2, he says that when it comes to getting rewards for doing good works, that everyone gets what they want. Everyone gets the reward that they want. The Pharisees, when they have the trumpets blare when they give to the needy, they got exactly what they wanted. They wanted people to see them. People saw them. The reward was finished. They got their reward. They got what they wanted. When you post on social media so that people will see how much you love poor orphan children on your mission trip, So that they do that, you will get your reward. People will see you, and that will be the end of it. Jesus says, they have received their reward in full. They wanted people to see, people saw, that's the end of it. You got what you wanted. Oh, man, how do I, how much do I want to embarrass myself today? Um... All the way, okay, all right, so like so like i don 't know, maybe ten years ago or so, um, on Facebook, there was this option where you could where you could um, you could post the books that you finished, and um, I was at a time in my life when I was reading a lot of philosophy, like Immanuel Kant and David Hume and George Hegel and all these guys with long German names and I saw that on there. I was like, that's kind of cool. I can do that. And so, you know, I just finished Immanuel Kant's Religion Within the Bounds of Reason Alone. Submit. Why? You know? I did that for a few months. And then, I, why, why am I doing this? I'm doing this to impress other people. By God's grace, I stopped. So Jesus says this, when you give, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. That's interesting, isn't it? In other words, Jesus says, don't, don't even give to impress yourself. And you know what that is, right? You know how to give to impress yourself. We get very self-congratulatory, very impressed with ourselves about how generous we are, how much we gave, how very self-sacrificing of our time and our energy. There's no one that's more impressed with me than me. So Jesus says, be careful, be careful that you don't get proud with the good things that you do, even to yourself. Instead, Jesus says, when you give to the needy, do it in such a way so that your motivation is for God and for the reward that he will give you for it. Now, isn't this interesting that Jesus is not against you doing good work for a reward? If you do your good works, if you give to the needy for the reward that other people will think well of you and that you'll get recognition of it for it, so that you will somehow feel self-satisfied, self-satisfied Jesus is saying you are setting your bar way too low. There is a greater eternal reward. Jesus tells us that when we do our good works for the audience of one, that there is a reward from our Heavenly Father, and it's an eternal one. Somewhere along the line in Protestant churches, we've somehow overreacted to Catholic teaching about reward and works righteousness, and we've neglected this idea of rewards. But the Bible is full, full of conversation about the promise of eternal reward. Jesus talks about it. Paul talks about it. The book of Revelation talks about it. In fact, right here, right here, Jesus says that the reason you should give to the needy is so that you will receive a reward from your Father in heaven. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gives us practices. Actions to do that help us practice Christ-likeness, that form us and shape us. And when we do them, when we put Jesus' words into practice, the Holy Spirit comes alive in us. And those practices begin to shape our hearts and make us more like Jesus. And so here, Jesus gives us a practice. Again, something very tangible, something that you can actually do this week, today, this afternoon, you can put Jesus' words into practice. Jesus tells us that when you do something good, when you do an act of righteousness, whatever it is, you can take me out to lunch and treat me to lunch, whatever it is you want to do today, you can do that (laughs) before an audience of one. When we do that, when we put those words into practice, Jesus says that our Heavenly Father will give us a reward. So what is the reward? Now, I don't want to try to speculate on all the different kinds of rewards that we will receive in eternal life. There may be some sort of eternal currency that it's waiting for us. Who knows? Whatever it is, it's going to be great. I don't want to speculate too much on exactly what it is, but there's at least two things, two rewards that we can say for sure that we will receive if we put Jesus' words into practice. Two rewards that we will receive for sure. The first reward for putting Jesus' words into practice is a transformed heart. When we give with this undivided a heart, undivided heart, when we give uh, for the only purpose of our relationship with God and not for the recognition of others, and as we do that, repeatedly, over and over again, when we practice it, our hearts will learn our hearts will learn that we only need God's approval. We will also learn that he provides for us. We will learn, we will, we will know that every dollar that we give to someone else, uh, every dollar that we give to the church, whatever that is, that every dollar could have been used on ourselves or could have been used to make us more secure in this life. But when we practice this giving before an audience of one, we can learn that we can depend on him for everything. We do begin to learn that our money is very useful, but also very meaningless. And when we put these words into practice, our hearts begin to change toward money and towards our neighbors and also toward God. When we put his words into practice, when we do them over time, he is at work doing that work in giving us that righteousness of the heart, that righteousness that surpasses the righteousness of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. So the first reward that I can say that we receive for sure when we put Jesus' words into practice is a transformed heart. The second reward that I can say with confidence that we receive is the reward of God himself, his presence. When we experience in, in this moment of giving and when we do that truly before the audience of one, we have a moment where we experience heaven and earth overlapping. We, we experience this thing where God and me are doing something together right now. And in that moment, God's, God's love for your neighbor is flowing out of you towards your neighbor. In that moment when you give to the needy, it, it's you and God, it's just you and God doing it together. You experience intimacy with Him. There may be some other kind of heavenly reward, some kind of heavenly concurrency. I don't know. But there is no greater gift that God can give to us than himself. And he will give that to us when we practice giving to the needy in this way, when we do it for him and with him. When we practice our righteous acts, when we give to the needy, when we pray, when we fast, when we serve in children's ministry, when we preach sermons, when we box up food in as much, when we play a guitar or sing, when we run sound on Sunday mornings, when we make a meal or serve coffee to a friend, when you do those good things for God and only for God, you discover that you're also doing them with Him. And in that moment, when you do that, there is this moment where you experience our place and God's place as the same place. When you give with that motivation, your experience in that moment is the presence of God with you, you and him doing something together. And that is the greatest reward that we can ever receive. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you promise to us your presence as a reward, as an eternal experience for sure, and also a daily experience that we can enjoy right now. So I pray, Lord, that you would make us people who are willing to put your words into practice, And that as, as we do that, that we would experience your presence and that we would see the ways that you are making us more dependent on you, the ways that you're changing our heart, ways that you are making us more like Christ. Lord, would you make us a people here at Broadway who, who live only for an audience of one. And we thank you that you are an audience who already delights in us who already has received us through Jesus, who approves of us, who created us and made us to be exactly the way that you want us to be. So I pray that we would, we would live according to that, that true person that you've made us to be. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.